Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Covfefe Break on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Lahren, and I'm joined, as always, by Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carter. How are you? Uh, I'm I don't I'm in a good mood for some reason. I haven't slept. I'm like, I should be in a bad mood, but I'm not. I'm, I don't know if I'm just giddy. You haven't slept? Not much. I mean, I didn't I just didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm in a giddy. I'm in a giddy mood. By the way, in chat, can you guys tell me if the music for the intro worked? Because I think it did this time. Uh, and if it didn't, I need to know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. How was your weekend? Welcome, everyone. <laughs> My weekend was good. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm a little uh, tired this morning, too, but I slept fine. I just oh. need more coffee, probably. Um, and I went to the dog park this morning. That was fun. I also... Nice. I just want to say, if you're new here, first of all, we're watching, you're watching Unsafe Spaces. This is a live show we do Mondays and Fridays called Kefefe Break. Um, if you are someone who has messaged me and I haven't gotten back to you, thank you for your patience. I did spend two hours this morning responding to people on one platform. I have a few more platforms to go and more messages wow. to go. <laughs> and I will get to you. I promise. I just, uh, there's a, sometimes a lot of messages and a lot of things to watch and read. So I try and do it all at once uh every once in a while well you're better you're better than i am i don't even attempt to try and read all the platforms <laughs> so <laughs> uh this is a reminder if you don't know carter enjoys receiving messages with mm. uh golden girls memes that you're more Where likely to get a response I forget on, facebook. You, on facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much if you could just communicate with if with i could carter, only be on facebook and only yeah <laughs> talk about golden girls that would be perfect for me is that what you're yeah talking? basically he prefers it if you yeah. just communicate through golden girls memes and nothing else that's what is on, his, on that's his preferred mm -hmm. form of communication thank you <laughs> <laughs> i honestly i don't remember the last time i've been on facebook other than to like do like unsafe space group stuff or whatever yeah um i don't know i don't feel i don't feel worse for it having mostly weaned myself off of social media i once in a while tweet but that's about it um, just as a reminder, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and double check that you are actually subscribed to us on YouTube, because sometimes Susan decides to just unsubscribe for you, just like Robinhood sells your stocks for you. YouTube unsubscribes to channels that you didn't really mean to subscribe to. So they unsubscribed me from Unsafe Space. Remember <laughs> yeah. that? So yeah. they might unsubscribe you. We also have a new clips channel. If you want to get shorter clips, you can go to Unsafe Space Clips on YouTube as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a good weekend. I heard a very interesting sermon and there had some, uh, friends, some new people come to church, which was fun. And afterwards got to have like, hang out with some people and have just a really long, interesting conversation with lots of smart people. That was fun. And nice. we're studying, he's doing the prodigal son right now. And so, um, doing several different like a, a long form like a series on the prodigal son and one part he was talking about which i think is just very relatable even if you're not a christian is this idea of uh going out into the world and pursuing pleasures i would say that's my word i guess pleasures rather than uh, meaning and how if you do that it's kind of at the at some point you will likely hit a point of despair because there's pleasures are just, are just pleasures there's no meaning in them 
and about, you know, that, that, that point of despair that some people reach where they realize that, and then they, then they go in pursuit of meaning. And that resonated with me for sure. And it, it also makes me think of Kanye West. Cause that's what I view when he came out. <laughs> if it happened to Kanye West. Well, yeah. When he came out with that Christian album, it made total sense to me. Cause I was thinking he didn't sound crazy to me at all. He sounded like someone who had every, had experienced everything that culture that the world had to offer and large amounts of it, if he wanted and found all of it wanting. And then it made sense to me. It's like, of course, God drew him back after that. And I also like what we talked about yesterday with uh, what's happening, where the people that win the lottery tend to not, they, they're expecting, Oh, as soon as I get the hundred million dollar lottery ticket, then I'll be happy. Uh, Yeah. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. We did an interview yesterday with the show. What's happening. H-A-P-A, Ning. It's not out yet, but we'll let you guys know when it's out. That was really fun. We were talking about lottery winners and how there seems to be this uh, curse on lottery winners because a lot of times when they win the lottery, it it, uh, can sometimes ruin their lives because they have a lot of uh, problems they didn't have before now or they have people trying to take advantage of them now or, you know, it invites more complicated or it can invite more complications. And then... uh, and then we talked about just briefly, if you guys haven't looked it up, this is a really interesting, if you're old enough, you remember the, can I just mention this again? Cause I, I'm the, uh, this story fascinates me. Remember the, the boss of you. Yeah. Do you remember the McDonald's menu? I song? don't. You were saying that yesterday and I was like, I don't know what the hell Carrie's talking about. I don't remember oh that. gosh. So in 1989, McDonald's did the McDonald's menu song and they put records in the newspaper and you would get the record. It, it played on your record machine. I had one. And then I memorized the whole song. Yeah. Kids memorized the song and the, the commercials were people singing the song. It was the whole menu, the whole menu in a song form. Anyway, one of those. I records- hate to say this, but I might have been too old in 1989 <laughs> to get excited <laughs> about McDonald's records. Really? I was busy listening to The Cure and contemplating suicide and doing all the things that teenagers do. And Meanwhile, I was like, quarter pounder with a cheese, fish fillet. Right, like the yeah. whole, I can't, I can't remember it now. I'd have to go back and look at this. But at the time, it's the whole menu. You could memorize it. Anyway, they gave away, one of the records was was sort of like uh, uh, Willy Wonka. It, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you got this one record, you would win a million dollars. And okay. this kid in Virginia got that record. He was going through tearing up newspapers to use in his family's wood burning stove and found the winning record and won a million dollars. And if you look up what happened to him and his family after that, it's like the lottery curse. It was awful. It ended up being awful, but yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but sometimes if you don't have your life together, resources just mean, you know how I've used for IQ, I use the engine analogy for a car. Yeah. I can kind of use a similar analogy for resources. Like for money. if you kind of don't know where you're going and you're a bad driver of your life, money just gives you a faster way to like crash. So <laughs> you just end up hitting a tree faster and with more impact than you would have uh, if you didn't have those resources. Right. So um, fame does. By that the way, too. I'm not anti-money. Money is great. It's the only alternative to a gun. It represents voluntary exchange between individuals. It's a beautiful thing, but it doesn't provide meaning. You provide meaning. Your money does not provide meaning for you. So, yeah, it's somebody, a friend was saying that yesterday that it's not, uh, the Bible doesn't talk about like money being the root of evil. It's the love of money. Well, I disagree with that as well. And there's an excellent speech in Atlas Shrugged, had you read it, by Francisco (laughs) D'Antonio that, uh, 
that goes the, into that. The, the love, love of money, money is, yes, the love of money is fine. Um, uh, I the think worship of money is possibly different, or well, the prioritization I mean. of money over over other things. That's but the I mean. love of money, money. is fine. The worship of money is dangerous when you're substituting money for meaning or purpose. Anyway, sure, sure. Okay. But I think I, I I think even Francisco D'Anconia would agree. If you substitute money for a purpose, you are ultimately suicidal. On that, it's, it's destructive. It's not a good thing. So, but I don't know. He's a fictional character, but my favorite fictional character. Um, oh, speaking of books, much shorter than Atlas Shrugged is <laughs> Thought Criminal by Michael Rechtenwald, which we are reading now. And if you want to be in book club, it's on February twentieth. It's kind of, I've started to read it and it's, uh, I have to ask him, he's going to come on and talk about it soon. I got to ask him when he wrote this because it's about, I think he wrote it in 2020. So maybe it was intentional. It's about a virus. Um, it's set in the future, but it's about a virus, although not a virus as mundane as COVID, but still, uh, so interesting. Uh, should we right. do some super chats really fast? Do we have some super chats? I haven't looked. I don't, I don't know if we have any today. Oh, maybe yeah. we don't. Okay, it's, never it's mind. The beginning of the feed. Oh, but right. I do have. I I'll did write my watch. nice little super. I fixed my nice little super chat program, so it's it's working but pretty well. I I can keep track of them now. This is a, a chat from Diamond Tuesday. Says I got unsubscribed just this week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And then somebody says I got to get a nice straw hat. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> this is a good outdoor straw hat. Uh, I had a different one on and it wasn't working for me. My housemate, I changed hats. She's like, that's the same hat. <laughs> it's not. I feel like you need a piece of wheat in there. <laughs> There's a subtle Teeth. difference. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, well, okay. there's, there's lots to talk about, Carrie. We don't, yeah. you know, yeah. we can jump into some stuff. Um, let's do it. I, uh, this is just a minor one, but it's on our it's on our cover image, so I feel like we should we should mention it. Um, <laughs> guess who's nominated for the Nobel Prize, Nobel Peace Prize? I know, I saw this. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Black Lives Matter <sighs> nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. There you go. Now it was they was nominated. I mean, you know, hasn't won. Nominated by a Norwegian MP. Peter Eide said the movement has forced countries outside the U.S. to grapple with racism within their own societies. You know, and uh, now I I guess it's not surprising. I mean, Yasser Arafat won (laughs) the Nobel Prize, a literal terrorist. Um, So he's won the Nobel Peace Prize in the past. Obama, uh, one of the drone kings of Western civilization, uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize before really doing anything. So I guess maybe they could have taken it away after the drum strikes. Uh, but as we all know, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this is Black Lives Matter is mostly peaceful. And so I looked I looked up how <laughs> mostly peaceful they are. Oh. And I, th- there's this uh, armed conflict location and, and data event project, AC led. These people are excellent namers. The, I, I don't, Sometimes they're not good at naming, but okay. So they, they did this they did this thing. They did a study. And here's the here's the study. This is now this is again, this is where that ninety-three percent comes from that you read about. These people are intentionally 
trying to excuse Black Lives Matter. But even in the report, let's let's just see how this is this is the the research. This passes for I guess I guess this passes for a real research nowadays. The United States is at heightened risk of political violence and instability going into the 2020 general election. Mass shootings hit a record high last year. Violent hate crimes are on the rise. Police killings continue unabated at 2.5 times the rate for black men as for white men. Look at the look at the sightings for these last two. Al Jazeera and 538. Not exactly scholarly journals that have done studies of this. But hey, Nate Silver over at 538 says it's two and a half times the rate. So let's just go with that and we'll cite it. But what they're trying to do in this report uh, is they they argue that, hey, this is mostly, where's, where is it here? It's mostly peaceful. And uh, they say, hey, well, it's mostly peaceful. There was fewer than 570 acts of uh, demonstrations involving violence. That's still kind of a lot to me. I don't know. You can look at a map. They've got a map here. Where is it? Here's the map. All the orange stuff are riots instead of protests. I guess it's mostly peaceful. Wow, look at that big um, orange dot up in Portland. <laughs> yeah. So here, here, but he, this is their summary, basically, of BLM. An overwhelmingly peaceful movement. The vast majority of demonstrations uh, were peaceful. More than 93% of all demonstrations connected to the movement uh, demonstrators have not engaged in violence. Hey, on, fewer than 220 locations on this map <laughs> of violence. So Guys, I, <laughs> I don't know. If that doesn't scream peace prize to you, I don't know what does. I and mean. it's only how many people died as a result of those riots? It's 30-something, right? It's only 30-something people, guys. Oh, right? yeah. And actually, I don't even have to go. We can go to Wikipedia for this. This is okay. <laughs> George Floyd protests. Hey, uh, they, obviously, they think this is mostly peaceful. But right from Wikipedia here. Clearly not biased in, in the direction against BLM. Nevertheless, arson, vandalism, and looting between May 26th and June 8th, by the way, just to, for those who are bad at math, that is less than a month, uh, were tabulated to have caused $1 to $2 billion. Wow. In, in, they, they threw insured damages just to make it seem like it's not a big deal. I'm just going to say $1 to $2 billion in damages nationally. I don't know why we matter. it matters that they're insured. People still pay for that. Um, in just one the, month. It, no, actually, this is about a week, two weeks, right? Two weeks. In two weeks. The highest recorded damage from civil disorder in U.S. history, eclipsing the record set in Los Angeles in 1992 after the acquittal of the police officers who brutalized Rodney King. So, uh, mostly, mostly peaceful. I think not just mostly peaceful, clearly deserving of a peace prize. What do you think? It's, we live in, I mean, we know this, if you're watching this show, you know this, but we live in upside down times. (laughs) We're living in a time where uh, we're being constantly lied to and the media is gaslighting us and they're telling us what up is, what's up is down and what's down is up. And, and, you know, I kind of, I'll be repeating myself because we kind of talked about this briefly yesterday on the interview with what's happening, but, um, a friend of mine was saying there's a word for, for this. It's sort of, uh, I think the word she was using was hyper surreal when you're living in a society that is, that is, uh, a culture and a society that's, that is sort of demanding that you participate in the lie. And that's where we're at currently. 
at this moment in history, we are in a place where every day you are being asked to participate in different kinds of lies. Yep. And it made me think of a sermon I heard a, a few weeks ago where my pastor quoted Alexander Solzhenitsyn and he was talking about the only thing that may be asked of us, like the most important thing that could be asked of us at this time in history is just not to participate in the lie. That's it. Just, Oddly enough, I think a lot of people would rather go to war than be asked to not participate in a lie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's do a couple super chats because we do have some now. Uh, Mickey the fourth says, hi, I recommend the channel radical liberation. I recommended lateral radical liberation last week. I will be appearing there for the topic of Czech politics, intrigue oh, and drama cool. we have here. Feel free to tune in on Thursdays and laugh or cry. Thank you for uh, letting everyone know. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and Mickey. one more before we move on. I'll fight you naked. I just, I love the username. Uh, I'll fight you naked says Wall Street is fake pumping silver and shorting GameStop trying to scare people into selling. Reddit guys know it. all media are in on pushing silver. Yeah, I so <laughs> we talked about the GameStop stuff a lot last yeah. week, but you, you know, the the GameStop play was originally a it came from a uh, a long-term invest like a, a a hold it not 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 someone looking to make a quick buck but someone looking to buy and hold for a while that th thought there was real value right and he was excited about some new management and other stuff and like that that makes sense and i i get the ang i get the upset on wall street bets and how it's turned into this attack on hedge funds and shorters and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but um Everyone and their mothers flooded into Wall Street bets now, and I and I think there's definitely people trying to pump stuff now because there's a bunch of people coming in going, these people made, you know, eight thousand percent. What's the next thing I can make eight thousand percent on? And it's like, this was a once in a lifetime. Not, I mean, this was a, a random, we'll say, perfect storm of events. It, it's not a, I don't know. I, I've seen silver being pushed. I like silver generally. I'm not giving you investment advice, so don't take it. Uh, but I, I mean, as a as someone who is bearish on fiat currency, precious metals are generally like something to have. I mean, I, that's just something I like. But um, probably not that particular silver thing they're pushing. But yeah, we'll see. Um, the cap. Can I do the next one? Or no? Yeah, I was just going to say this might be a good segue though to. Um, the article in the Washington Post, but we can do a couple super chats first if you want to. Yeah, the captain's log, thank you, sir, says, will Dominion voting and big tech get a prize too, you know, since they helped to unite this country? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, sure. of course, yes. Why don't you nominate them? Maybe they should get a prize. I think you should read the next one. Okay, uh, next one is from G-Man Carter. I just wanted to thank you. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> I even understand that only because Carrie has said it so many times to me that I know the reference, but I would not have known the reference. <laughs> thank you for that super chat. Thanks, G-Man. I'm taking that off the screen right away. How's, how's that, How's that, G-Man? Um, I, mean, I want to share a story because... Uh, I want to share the story because I think... 
a lot of times we can get caught up in stuff and not have nuance. And I, I it's this worth looking at this. So this story has been going around. A lot of people are angry about it. Um, this is from the Washington Post. Uh, and it's an opinion. Uh, and it says the good guys in the GameStop story, it's the hedge funds and short sellers. And I, I was sent this thinking, okay, I'm going to, this is going to be horrible and I'm going to not like it. Um, and this guy, Sebastian Malaby, he's, he's the guy who actually wrote, uh, the biography of, um, Alan Greenspan, another deep state swamp rat who ran the fed. Um, okay. I'm not going to read this, but he makes some really good points in this article. And one of his main points is, first of all, he talks about the ridiculous bubble that is GameStop. And look, let's be honest. I'm not saying don't, if you got, if you feel like fighting the shorts on GameStop and holding, go ahead. But at the price that it is, it is a bubble. Like it's not, there's not underlying value enough to justify that particular valuation. I do think there, I mean, I don't know, maybe there is long-term value in GameStop. I, I, I don't want to comment on GameStop, but he's saying, look, this is what happens. You have these bubbles and he's talking about how it went from $4 to basically 350 bucks, um, 8,000% uh, returns. Um, and okay. He's, he's not very nice about the Wall Street bets people. He says they disdain evidence. That's not true for the original investors. That's not true. That's not how they, they didn't, this wasn't just a pile on. It wasn't a, it wasn't the, the tulip investor thing that he's referring to from Holland in the 17th century. Very famous, uh, has been used as a comparison to Bitcoin by Bitcoin bears. Um, but, but he does make some, some good points. And I think those points are hedge funds are not, here it is. Generally speaking, and he's correct about this. A hedge fund is a small to medium-sized company that makes money choosing smart investments. That's true. And there is nothing nefarious about a hedge fund in general. I don't know specifically about the hedge funds that are in GameStop. but And he also makes this point, which I think is worth calling out. To the contrary, if you don't like too-big-to-fail banks and get backstop that get backstopped by taxpayers, small enough to fail the hedge funds ought to be celebrated. His point is... It wasn't the hedge funds that got bailed out. The, these guys weren't the people getting bailed out. It was the banks, the brokers, uh, insurers, mortgage providers, money market funds. Like it was the bigger banks. This isn't JP Morgan that you're fighting. It's smaller hedge funds. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't have a, I'm not saying I agree with everything this guy's saying, but I am saying don't get carried away in the hype. People get very excited about, yeah, we're going to stick it to these guys. And then they vilify, they're like vilifying all hedge funds. Like all hedge funds are bad. All hedge funds are somehow evil and being a hedge fund is evil and shorting stock is evil. Shorting stock's not evil. Being a hedge fund isn't evil. This is part of, part of correcting bad investment in the market. I mean, this, this is, this is part of correcting Irrational decisions is you have investors doing this stuff. Now, is there manipulation on Wall Street sometimes? Absolutely. Do they line each other's pockets? Absolutely. Is it the hedge funds as much as it is some of the larger banks? It's probably some of the larger banks that do it more, but I'm sure some hedge funds, there's definitely some 30 slimy hedge funds. I don't know which ones are out there. Maybe it's the ones you guys are going after. I don't know. But 
uh, I just I would like to caution people from getting overly excited about on this like we tend to get really excited about enemies. I'm like, now it's hedge funds. All hedge funds are bad. It's like all hedge funds aren't bad. Shorting stock isn't bad. They might be wrong about GameStop. Maybe for some reason, I don't, I don't know Citadel. Like maybe you guys hate them for a particular reason. That's fine. Or you just love GameStop and you want to play this game. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think this is a moral good, bad debate to be having. Um, this isn't a moral question, uh, but it is important to just step back and realize a lot of people are going to step in. They're going to exploit the forums now. Someone just posted about gold, um, silver being pumped by uh, larger institutions. I mean, you, you can't you can't really short squeeze silver very easily, um, especially silver funds. People are just. It's not that. I mean, people like having bad guys. Because people just like a simple resolution of things that's it like a simple looking at something they like it to be easy uh, to digest in terms of looking at things in high resolution versus low resolution that's what i mean that that, uh, peterson talks about sometimes they like seeing something in low resolution um okay that's what i'm saying it's just it's easier to digest and it's not it's not that it's not that cut and dry it's not that straightforward I do love the movement. I love the attitude, and I love that people are um, pooling their resources to make decisions that can affect Wall Street from a Main Street perspective. All that I like, um, but you know, don't just go on to <laughs> Wall Street bets and be like, "They're pumping this. I'm going to jump in." Because like that's not. I just don't think that's smart. That's all. Um, can we talk about? I just sent you a link. Yeah. Hold on. I just think this is funny and I would like to highlight it. I don't, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but occasionally, well, Seth Rogen lately, the actor has really become uh, a very vocal moron. And <laughs> it's always funny to me Doesn't when you play a um, vocal moron normally. That's yeah. That's but no, this is a different kind of moron. Let me just, let me just get through this. So it, it's always interesting to me when I see a celebrity who has recently uh, accepted social justice as their Lord and personal savior, because they have kind of the new cult member smell on them. Like their post smell like new cult member. And he's one of those people where suddenly, I don't know where he's been all this time, but I, I think he's probably had a conversion moment and accepted social justice into his heart because he has started on Twitter in the past week and a half. I've seen him go after Ted Cruz and James Lindsay and and he's such an idiot. Ted Cruz is Ted Cruz is very smart. Ted Cruz completely and and in a very um, measured way spanked him verbally, you know. And and he didn't even get it. That's the thing about him. He's he's an idiot, but he's also arrogant. I have to say, I don't mind ignorance when. Wait, can you scroll back up? I don't mind ignorance when. Um, when it's just ignorant, ignorance by itself. I mind ignorance when it's paired with arrogance. That's when it becomes insufferable. And he is pairing his ignorance with arrogance and doesn't even realize that he's outmatched. And so he just got into a uh, Twitter little scuffle with Gadsad, who he's so dumb. He didn't even realize how outmatched he was. And Gadsad, like, put him in his place. I just wanted to read this because it was very satisfying for me. Sure. Where does it start here? You want to... He gives him a video to watch and Seth Rogen says, 
I actually watched your video and it's so stupid. He's saying this again. <laughs> Why was I a left-wing socialist when I was broken unemployed, according to your brilliant theory? Okay, now, if you don't, if you don't know the answer to this, you're as dumb as Seth Rogen. And, and obvious, it's obvious what the answer is. You haven't grown up yet. And so Godsad says, uh, thanks for watching. Many young people are socialists when they are driven by immature impulses of utopia. Then they grow up. You are a grown man with tons of money. Your current stances are rooted in vacuous, empty signaling, rooted in a desire to belong in Hollywood. It takes, scroll down, uh, let's see. It takes zero courage to hold your stances within the entertainment ecosystem. You espouse bullshit rhetoric that wins you points at the cool kids' parties, but you are otherwise as ignorant as my out-of-order toaster. I'd be happy. <laughs> I'd be happy to chat with you on my show as you have a very large platform. And as such, you have the opportunity to actually make a difference. Stop succumbing to the herd mindset. Learn how to think critically. Learn the meaning and implications of socialism versus capitalism. You are among the most privileged people in the history of humanity. And yet you walk around as though you are a chair Guevara revolutionary. <laughs> you are the product of capitalism. If you are such a social Socialist, send me some of your money. I'm trying to build an interdisciplinary research institute. Live out your convictions. If you are a socialist, you have no business being the beneficiary of the most capitalist industry and the most capitalist country in the history of humanity. Don't be a hypocritical fraud. Cheers, amigo. <laughs> nice. And I, uh, I just wanted to read that because he really just handed his butt to him and it made me think of that scene in crocodile dundee where he just swats away the punk where the punk the arrogant punk comes up and is like pulls a knife on crocodile dundee you, everybody knows that scene he's like that's not a knife this is a knife this is a knife <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> sad god sounds like get out of here with your step Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. But yeah, I don't know what happened to him. In the past week, I've seen him engage in these public uh, fights with uh, Ted Cruz, James Lindsay. He's probably done with others. I just missed them. But then I saw this one too. And it like, wow, okay, somebody pulled him in. Somebody pulled him into the cult. Now he's being all vocal. Anyway. Yeah, well, uh, I Gadsad's awesome. And yeah. he's completely right, obviously. Um Scott Wellman says he says that's not that's not a microaggression. This is a microaggression. <laughs> anyway. Um let me do a couple more super chats. Uh let's see. Andrew Joyner says, So when is Bridget P coming on then, eh? Oh uh, I, uh, that's my fault. Sometime, well, right? Yeah, well, you know what's funny? She and I talked uh on Twitter, mess messenger, whatever, a couple years ago, and then we both let it fall through the cracks and, and then we started talking again and now we've both let it fall through but we'll i'll pick it up sure you will we'll figure it no, out no, that's good i yeah, will no i have i think i think i left it with the ball in her court but by, by the way um someone did mention uh someone in chat this wasn't a super chat but they said the problem isn't the shorts it's it's the platform shutting down people from uh, yeah. trading and that I completely agree with like yeah. I'm 100% on board with that that's the bigger tragedy to me it's not the not tragedy that's the, the more outrageous thing it's not that there's people shorting and people disagreeing about the value of stock and, and fighting hedge funds like that's all fine and that's fair game the unconscionable horrible thing is Robinhood and other platforms manipulating the market by not letting you 
uh, buy. Yeah. And they're doing it to more than just GameStop. They're doing it to Nokia, BlackBerry, AMC, um, all of the stocks that they're afraid of uh, Wall Street bets people doing something with. Uh, All right. Let's see. Um, Oh, I missed this one. Uh, Mephisto Xarxes. I don't know. I'm (laughs) probably butchering that. The world has become FUBAR, fouled up, effed up beyond recognition. That's me being polite. Uh, Yes. Yes, it has. Liberty Solutions, uh, who is Keith the Hack Guy, says uh, Alfred Noble, and he's quoting Alfred Noble, quote, done the best work for abolition or reduction of standing armies and for promotion of peace. That's what they said about Barack Obama. Um, (laughs) Arafat and Mandela. Yeah, I don't know. Um, None of those really scream peace. And the next one, I think the last one that we've got here before we move on is Stacey Abrams was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, Oh, sorry. I thought that was a commenter. How gross. No, Stacey Abrams. Oh, is she that woman in Georgia? (laughs) Yes, she's that woman who didn't ever win any office but is like for some reason the spokesperson for Democrats in Georgia. I'm not sure how that happened. But – I think she lost in the right way. I don't know what what exactly that is, but thank you, Kevin. Yeah. All right. We got some. Let's do some COVID news. Okay. I know you like COVID so much, Carrie. Oh gosh, I'm in a bit of a place where I might go on a rant. We'll see. I don't know. I I know that's why I want to do the COVID news. (gasps) I'm tired of rants. I'm just, I'm just tired of COVID too. <laughs> Let's do it though. We're all tired of COVID. We're all tired. Okay. So here in California, um, we're loosening restrictions now, but, uh, and you can go to restaurants and eat outside, but, but you can't watch TV. You can't watch TV because watching TV is, I don't know. You might want to stay. If you're watching TV, they're trying to stop people from watching the Super Bowl. Wow. So this is this is one of the new things people are quite excited about. Um, this is this is one of those. What can we get away with? What can we tell people you're not allowed to do? Uh, watching TV is a great one. Um, by the way, obviously, this just encourages people to watch the Super Bowl inside at home. So with Super Bowl parties that aren't regulated uh, or at least are behind. Right. Uh, closed doors so the regulars can't see them but more interestingly i think it for some reason i found this hilarious have you seen this guide to masks that was updated this is from the cdc it was updated on january 30th it's the funniest thing i've ever seen so (laughs) how to select your mask okay masks that have two layers don't don't do it. Don't not like this. Not like this. Don't use N95 masks because that's only for doctors. Um, so they've got. And, and by the way, as we look at these little things, I, all I could think about looking at the site was <laughs> universal suffrage. All I could think was this is aimed. This kind of instruction is aimed at the people that we're supposed to. We're supposed to respect their voting decisions. This, that's what this is aimed at these people. So do that. Special considerations. Hey, it's okay to wear a gator. We don't recommend face shields. Here's how to wear it if you have glasses. Children, 
Don't put it on babies. Okay. Cold weather <laughs> gear. How to wash your hands. Hey, how not to wear a mask. Carrie, you, you should pay attention because I, I bet you violate this. Not on around your neck. Yeah, not around that. your forehead. Not under that. your nose. Yeah. Not only on your nose. Not on your yeah. chin. Not dangling from one ear. Not uh, on your arm. Hmm. Yeah. And how to take it off. I don't know why you would ever have to take it off, but apparently if you do need to take it off, this is how you do it. Okay. And uh, this is this is one of my other favorite. They, they, they've talked about masks are now required on public transportation. Now, yeah, the definition I, of public transportation is anything. <laughs> that's anything that's not a private car. But there's some exceptions. I don't. I want you to not be worried, Carrie. There's a few exceptions. Okay. If your aircraft is going down, you're allowed to wear the oxygen <laughs> thing, not your mask. So don't worry. If you're dying while going down in an airplane, you may take off your mask. And also, Wait, if you're unconscious, but not when you're sleeping. If you're sleeping, you still have to have your mask on. But if you're unconscious, not from sleeping, then then it's okay to not have your mask on. So that should make you feel better. Um, they're, you know, they're being, being pretty good now. Actually, I think what we should, should do here, though, is we should listen to uh, Dr. Fauci tell us some very important things about masks. Um, and the first thing I, I think that we need to hear him say is we need to hear about how, hey, you know, I know that we think maybe COVID is over and once COVID's over, we won't have to worry about this anymore. But you know, there could be other stuff, Carrie. That's just, there could be other things and we need to keep in mind. You just said that we seem to be plateauing. The sobering news is that we cannot uh, bring our guard up and, lo and lose the intensity of being able to use the public health measures to prevent the further spread well, the bad because is, if yeah. in fact ahead, the I'm variant sorry. becomes dominant we you know we yeah if the if the if the variant that has greater degree of transmissibility becomes dominant we're going to be faced with another challenge of a of a virus that has a more efficient capability of spreading and 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 that leads me to the next question because this okay so you know make sure don't worry the virus could get worse and here's the latest the latest in technology from none other than Dr. Fauci, the latest, the latest advice in mask, mask technology advice. Here we go. Let's see. Somewhere around here. Second test. So we're really taking very seriously the potential for the influx of these types of mutants into the country. A lot of folks uh, are hearing now about double masking, wearing two masks masking. or trying to get one of those oh. N95 medical grade masks. Do you believe that that's... A you know, it, it, it likely does because, I mean, this is a physical covering to prevent uh, uh, droplets masks, and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. And that's the reason why you see people either double masking or doing a version of an N95. That's all. I just, you know, I wanted to share the latest in medical science with you so that you you knew exactly how to prevent the spread of COVID. Two masks now, Carrie. Two Can you masks. pull up the article I just sent you about this, sure. about the CDC? 
let's see. This Forbes so, one, yeah. Yeah, so this is in Forbes, and um, this is about the public transportation thing that you were talking about, and they're uh, basically yep. – uh, I wanted to read part of this because I, I thought it's kind of a, a fun – not fun, a, a, a revealing sleight of hand – the way that they talk, some of the language here. This is a headline that says the CDC, no longer constrained by Trump, issues order that makes not wearing a mask on public transportation a federal crime. Okay, well, hold on there for a second. So um, they're presenting this whole article as if it's a bad thing that Trump was standing in the way of letting an agency. Bureaucrats. Bureaucrats. (laughs) <laughs> that yeah, that they they're presenting this as if it was a bad thing that Trump was preventing a bunch of bureaucrats who are not legislators from making it a federal crime not to mask yourself out in public. That's not a bad thing. I'm glad Trump was standing in the way. I'm glad he was standing in the way of letting the CDC do this. Well, now he's gone. So now the CDC has decided they're going to make it a federal crime for us not to wear masks on public transportation. Well, they don't get to decide what's a federal crime. When did we, this this is something you've helped me think about more over the past couple of years is, when did we become so comfortable letting bureaucrats, non-elected officials, letting government, non-elected officials, administrators, basically decide what's legal and what's not legal? That's not their job. Congress is supposed to write the laws, not the CDC. Yeah. I mean, and and just to be clear, if I wasn't earlier, when they say public transportation, it doesn't mean publicly funded transportation. It doesn't mean like government transportation. It means anything that's not your private car. So like I think Uber counts or, you know, you if there's a shuttle service that you're running, that counts. Anything that is not completely private, anything that the public can pay for and use is public transportation. And that's a pretty, can you imagine that they have that much power? They can just mandate that? They can, they have that much power and they have control over all those businesses. It's not public if, you know, this is, again, it shows their hypocrisy because they want to say on the internet, they want to say, hey, it's not the public space. It's owned, that space is owned by Facebook and Twitter. A private company can do what they want. A private company can do what they want. Well, now they're saying, Hey, we get the government gets to tell all these private companies that they must require masks of all everyone who comes into their establishment or everyone right. who gets on their airplane. I thought a private company could do what they want, morons. I thought American Airlines, if they wanted to, not that they are, I wish so I wish an airline would. I wish an airline would stand up and say we're not doing this. But if an airline wanted to say we will not require masks, the government's saying, hey, no, guess what, private company? You can't do that. You can't do what you want. You can right. censor people we don't like, but you can't say you don't have to wear masks on our airplane. Yep. Yep. <sighs> okay. No, so, I mean, I. Hypocrisy aside, let's read through this. So top line. Oh, okay. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, no longer restricted by the Trump administration, as if that's a bad thing, they say issued an extensive federal public health order. Anytime you see the words public health, as Carter has pointed out, he has a video on this. Anytime you, you see the words public health, you should be skeptical of what's coming next. A federal public health order late Friday requiring all individuals to wear masks over their mouth and nose on nearly all forms of 
public, I'm putting that word in air quotes because it's not public, public transportation and private ride sharing services and makes refusal to wear a face covering a violation of federal law. I'm sorry, CDC. When did we elect you to decide what's federal law? When did we elect you to decide? I don't remember that election. Um, well, so Carrie, I mean, this is, but you know that this is how it works. And by the way, th- this article is just about this thing that I was just showing you. That's what I this know. is. I right? would like but to- I, 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 we did, we did, we did allow it, right? This is, this is the problem. Every time someone gets their guy into office, they want to give him more and more power. And so what they do is Congress passes these laws that give sweeping powers to the executive branch in terms of how to regulate something, how to how to run the CDC. And so effectively, whatever the CDC decides, they've kind of gotten, I mean, there's there's some limits, but Congress doesn't place many limits on what the hell the executive branch can get away with. So that's why you've got this increase in, in executive orders. And it's why you've got departments like this or agencies able to just change their rules and effectively create federal crimes because Congress has shirked its responsibility and just pushed all, they've basically given blank checks to the executive branch um, for a variety of things. And this is one of them. So, all right, let's go. You want to go to the key facts section? What do you want to do next? Yeah, the order, which takes effect on Tuesday, requires a mask be worn by all travelers on planes, trains, subways, buses, taxis, and ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft. Face coverings are also required at transportation hubs such as airports, bus terminals, train stations, and subway stations. Um, I will not be doing this. I don't care. When I go to the airport, I don't wear my mask. I don't wear it at all until I actually have to step on the plane. And, but I don't wear it in the airport. I go as far as I can without muzzling myself and I will not be wearing it in the airport. And if that means I can't fly, I guess that means I can't fly. Um, the mandate offers a few exceptions, allowing individuals to lower masks while eating, drinking, or taking medications for brief periods and for communicating with a person who's hearing impaired. Here's a good tip. If you do have to fly, Delta is the absolute worst. Do not fly Delta. American, would I would say, is the second worst. United and, and Southwest are pretty good. They're, they, let me, they let most people wear it under their nose the whole time so you can breathe. Um, they don't say, at least in my experience, and I've taken a few flights, they, they haven't said anything. Um, the other thing you can do, and I did this on Delta because they're the worst, is I just take a bag of goldfish with you and a bottle of water and just eat a whole bag of goldfish very slowly for two hours or three hours. <laughs> like, it works when they come over every once in a while, you can pull the mask up like, oh, I'm, tr- I'm trying. And then, you know start eating again but uh i it, it's the dumbest thing in the world you can take this thing down to eat but then you got to put it right back up because it's so effective it's so magic that when you you know taking it down to eat if these things actually like this the policy doesn't make sense if the policy made sense you couldn't take it down even to eat or drink do you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense so I, I can't stand this kind of authoritarianism. I can't stand the government now getting involved. It was bad enough when it was the airlines telling me, but I felt, well, it is a private company and I do believe a private company can do what they want. And so if I want to fly, I'm going to have to abide by what this airline says. But now it's the government saying it, really. It's the government saying it. Screw you. Um, here's the next part. No. Okay, the mandate offers a 
few exceptions allowing into, oh, we read that. The order will be enforced by the Transportation Security Administration. Oh, look, here's another administration that we didn't elect who just, who they have the, the right to do this, who, who elected this, these bureaucrats. It's going to be enforced by the TSA and federal, state, and local agencies, while the CDC reserves the right to, quote, enforce through criminal penalties, end quote, civil penalty, penalties such as fines are far more likely. Well, yeah, what if you don't pay the fine? Because I won't pay your fine. And then what happens? Well, then you go to jail, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Because they're saying it's a federal crime now, right? So we're going to go to jail because we're not going to put on your muzzle? Is that yep. what's, what's coming next? And where in this article, first of all, it never explains how the CDC gets to decide that this is now a federal crime, that you're not putting a mask over yourself and your child. It, it never explains that. And it never explains when does this end? When does this well, end? Well, non-compliance with federal regulation is a federal crime by definition, right? So – that's that's people uh, like people argue about this like well that's regulation and not criminal like regulation is criminal that's like regulations are rules that if you don't follow you are in violation of federal rules which is federal law like they are empowered you, you can't just you can't just go before a judge and say like well I didn't violate a law your honor I only violated a regulation from the EPA like well the EPA has jurisdiction to make rules that you need to follow. And if you don't follow them, then it's you've violated a federal rule. And that's the same thing as, as violating. I mean, morally, obviously, I disagree. But I'm just like, legally, that's that's how this works, right? Otherwise, everyone would just ignore regulations all the time. So, uh, yeah. And by the way, TSA, you know, thanks thanks to the Patriot Act for this, right? This This behemoth is just, you know grown out of control. I don't, <laughs> maybe not everyone remembers there didn't used to be a TSA. Um, you used to be able to get onto planes much easier, much more easily, but uh, we're making people, people feel safe with the TSA, who's now, I guess, going to be running around to all public transportation slash private transportation services and potentially throwing people in jail or fining them for not wearing masks. So somebody says, uh, I'm sorry, I just lost this comment. It wasn't a super chat, so it's not highlighted. But somebody was saying they're just going to walk around in full on scuba gear now. And and I actually think that is a that's a very good way of that. The whole idea of not participating in the lie when we're being asked to participate in lies. So there's two ways of doing it. And we were I was talking about this with some friends yesterday. One way is by saying just no, like refusing, I'm not going to wear it. And if you take me to jail, I'll be an example of how authoritarian your policy is because you're going to have to jail me. I'm not doing it. The other way is to go be is to go beyond to go into the to point out how what to point out what a lie it is and how absurd it is to go to the point of absurdity. And so a friend was telling me they have a friend who wears a gas, a full on gas mask everywhere. And they have a, and this, and they said he has a uh, UV light. And if somebody criticizes him or, or makes fun, he's like, well, you're not taking COVID seriously and hope to get out his UV scanner and stuff, which I think is funny. And that's kind of like when I wore that bag over my head and went to the restaurant, like you can take it to that point of this person who says they're going to wear a scuba suit. 
that's another way to to not participate in the lie is to participate in it to the extreme to such a degree that makes everyone else feel uncomfortable feel the uncomfortableness they should be feeling because this is ridiculous this yep. is ridiculous and they don't say when it's ending again we're talking about a virus with an over 99% survival rate and the, and the, and we're all supposed to be Cover, restricting our breathing from now on, healthy people restricting our breathing from now on and your children and psychologically exposing kids to seeing this for almost a year now, going on a year, seeing nothing but human beings wearing masks everywhere. And I've, I've talked about this with um, people offline. I think we've talked about it online, maybe not, but I have friends who have kids who, if you have a child who already had some type of anxiety disorder or heightened sense of germophobia or paranoia, those kids are not doing well right now. Those kids are not doing well. They're afraid of getting sick. Why? Because all of the messaging and culture is telling them that people are dangerous and that it's a dangerous world out there and they might get sick. And we're not allowed to even talk about that. Well, screw you people. The people who pretend like they care so much, oh, put on a mask, that's how you show you're a good person. I can't stand you. I can't stand those people. I've, I've got. I'm the glad that you're right that you were going to rant about COVID. This is good. <laughs> no, I'm tired of ranting. That's why I didn't want to talk about it because I hate going here. And I absolutely recognize that my contempt is a problem, and I need to figure out how. No, I'm not in a problem. I think it is. I think I need to get. I need to develop compassion again. But I'm at this point where I just. I don't have a problem with people choosing to wear masks. Nobody hears nuance anymore. I have friends who choose to wear masks. I have family who choose to wear masks. That's fine. Wear your mask. You know who I have contempt for? I have contempt for the mask holes, the ones who want to tell everyone else what they have to do, and the ones who want to claim a false, unearned moral and intellectual high ground. You don't get that high ground. You're not more moral. You haven't proved to me that you care about people at all. If you support authoritarian measures, if you support the CDC, an unelected government agency, telling us that it's a federal crime, not to wear a mask on a plane or on a train. If you support that, you don't care about people. Disgust me. And yeah. I'd like to well, turn around the thing that you're trying to put on everyone else, put it on you. It's projection for your dark little heart that gets off on telling other people what to do. You tyrants. I hate you people. There's one of them at my favorite coffee shop now. I don't know if I can go back there for a while because I can I can just smell the the, the tyranny coming off this guy. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're going to end up a libertarian if you keep this up. But um it's it's fine or minarchist you may who knows you might go full ancap um but yeah i mean i i think i i mentioned this yesterday but you just touched on it and i want to uh i want to say it uh again because I, I don't even know when yesterday's episode will be out um think about this from the perspective of children and how they are view they're being taught to view humans right so children are <sighs> humans are an asset right? Humans are good things. Society is good. Yes, I'm an individualist, but that like people sometimes think that means like individualism equals being a hermit who's isolated. Like no voluntary interaction, like individualism is about community, voluntary community. Uh, so other people are, you need other people. Other people are assets. They make your life better. They make like, they build communities. They straight like both emotionally and mentally and even physically there. It's it's like, Communities are helpful um, and they're vital to sane, like, psychology. Like, you need human interaction. You need other people. Other people are, are good to have. 
in the past, we were all raised when you would go out to the store, you might meet someone new. You might smile at the checkout and yeah. and make a friend. Yeah. You might you might meet someone at a restaurant. You might meet someone on at a you know while you're going for a walk or at church or wherever you're going. You might meet someone and make a friend and uh and that that was viewed as a good thing. People were were viewed as potential positives in your life. Like the, the, you know, there's a new person. That yes. might be a good thing. Now and and obviously there's always been predators and bad people that you've been taught to you know be careful of um and you know sift the wheat from the chaff so to speak but in general the outlook is like eh, people are people are interesting you talk to people the people are good they're part of your world now kids are being raised in a world in which people are viewed as threats and only threats they are disease vectors you're supposed to stay away from them Stay six feet away. Don't get close to the disease vector. Keep your mask on. Make sure that they have a mask on. Don't share air with the disease vector, which is ridiculous, by the way. You can't not share air, but whatever. Um, so they're, they're being raised in this world in which human beings are viewed as the enemy. Other humans are being viewed as the yeah. enemy. That has got to have severe negative psychological consequences. Yeah. I mean, huge, and, huge and consequences. Huge, and 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 we don't even know. It's like it's like using kids experimentally as guinea pigs. Like you don't, we don't know what this is going to do to this entire generation of young kids. How many of them are going to have problems that? persist from childhood because of this long period of craziness that we've allowed. It's not going to be good. Um, This is interesting. I saw this today. Uh, John McAfee, he, he shared some statistics. He said 200 and the the McAfee security dude. He's like on the run from the IRS, that dude. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. That's who that is. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I just follow him. He says 266 children under the age of 18 have died from coronavirus in the U.S. since it began. So 266. During that same period, 12,000 died from accidents. 95% of all COOF cases are people over 50. 95% are people over 50. We closed schools and disrupted the most vital element of our children's lives to protect them. Really? You know, like... I just, the numbers are staggering what we've done. And I know, I know you and I both, I, I actually, one silver lining I think is hopefully public schools will die (laughs) and we'll see more alternatives for charter schools and private schools and homeschooling. And, but at the same time, without that being, you know, it was, it was an abrupt yanking of kids out of their social life which was at these public schools. Kids have and, no social life uh, except for yeah. online. And now it's online. Now, which is worse. Yeah. We already know online is really bad for kids. Online, like social media, we've looked at s- studies before COVID about this, how horribly toxic online is. And like, you want to limit your kid's social media activity. Now their entire social life is virtual. It's all online. All of it. They have no friends in real life. They're yeah. all just online. They're online, which is, and you can look at any study it increases, you know, suicide rates 
ever since um depression yeah the social dilemma the documentary um that's that's currently out about facebook and other social media apps it talks about how ever since these phones became ubiquitous and and just in everyone's hands including in the hands of of preteens children that's when the suicide rates like skyrocketed for children was because of all like the yeah young teens the inordinate amount of time that they're spending online and what have we done well we've pushed them into that this year it's even more into that social world and cut off their real work real world connections and right it's like can you imagine watching the so the the that documentary with social i don't want to was it social network what was it called no that was the facebook thing whatever the documentary was social dilemma Um, Social dilemma. Thank you. Can you imagine watching the social dilemma and looking at it at the end and going, "Hmm, it's it's destroying kids' lives. It's really a bad thing. Let's make their entire life about social media." Okay, that's what we did. That's what we did. In order to protect them and save them, you liars. You don't care about these kids. You know, the Las Vegas Las Vegas is opening up their public schools because they're they're childhood suicide rate has doubled like and during during coronavirus and and you guys want to pretend like you're the ones that have you cornered the market on caring about people and their compassion oh yeah you but you guys who support government lockdowns and you support government mass mandates f off you don't care about people and we everyone told you we knew what was going to happen we told you suicide rates were going to increase. We told you depression was going to increase, child abuse, domestic abuse, addiction rates, and you didn't care. You didn't care. And worse, don't. and worse, it wasn't just that you didn't care. You, then you tried to say that we didn't care about people because we wanted to talk about these issues. F off. I don't. Well, I mean, that, but that's how politics goes and has gone historically. You, you always have people who, when they disagree on outcomes or, or solutions, you always have at least one, sometimes both sides saying, well, you don't care. That's why you disagree with me. See, that's like, why, right, Carter, well, let me confess this to you. That's where I'm at right now. And that's where I know that's a problem because I've been tr- this whole time. I don't want to behave like then. I don't want to say sure. because they have a different opinion that they don't care about people because I don't think that's true. But then we're held to a different standard. They say we don't care about people. In actuality, I'm at the point now where I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to use your tactic back on you. Prove to me that you care about people, you you people who support these policies that endanger people's lives. Let it out. Marie's got the square jar ready. Go. (laughs) No, I just, I, and I, I, it's a, it's, it is, it is a problem. I do recognize the problem, but that's why I said earlier, I think I know my contempt is a problem and I need to get back to you. I can't just behave the way they do and say that, that, that proves they don't care. Their policy positions prove they don't care. I I know some of them do. I know some of them do, but I'm just in this angry place right now. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. He, the, the the truth is caring should not matter. I, I hate to say this, but caring is not like caring is the prerequisite for even having the discussion in the first place. You got to assume that anyone who's talking about any kind of policy cares at some yeah. level because that's why they're talking about the policy. Caring is a necessary, easily obtainable, but insufficient condition for evaluating a policy. Yes. Caring is yeah. just like. Okay, fine. You care. That's like the baseline. You're, you're, you have a heartbeat. You're kind of human. You sort of care about people. Great. Good Great. for you. That's the starting point. That has nothing to do. If you want to actually analyze, if you want your caring to manifest in any real way, it has to be coupled with a, and Brett, this is what Brett Weinstein talked about. 
a detached rational evaluation of what's what's happening. You have to right. detach your caring, look at it rationally, use your mind, your your reason, and make decisions about what will be the best thing, what's in line with principle, what's the, what are the best, you know, long-term decisions, what are the consequences of things gonna be. You have to have that discussion and that outcome is what actual caring looks like manifest. What we have now is like aborted caring. It's caring that then doesn't get followed through by a reasoning mind doing anything. It's caring that just like gets diverted into do this thing. I haven't thought about it. Right. Yeah. And like that, that caring is worse than not caring at all. It's because, caring because their caring gets used to control people. Yeah. They right. use their caring against you. The fact that you care that, well, if you care, if you care, you're going to go along with tyranny. If you care, you're going to go along with authoritarianism. If you care, you're going to go along with the lie. And you're going right. to and then, and then they say, and it's not even that big of a deal. Just to, just come along. Come along with the lie. It's not that big of a deal. Just come along. Right. How hard what you have to do that? is care. I like I think you have to not just care about that thing. You have to also care about your relationship to reality and that you have thought through the consequences. Like it has to be your decision yes. that you have thought through and you have, you know, had the argument with people who disagree and you've considered all the options. And I think when people say you don't care, they don't actually even mean that. That's just a form of intimidation. What they what they're counting on you caring about is fitting in socially. They're not counting about you caring on caring about grandma or caring about kids. They, they know that what you actually care about is fitting in socially. And so that they use that language to try and get you to say, oh, I don't want to be considered someone who doesn't care about yeah. grandma. Therefore, that I care about how I'm perceived. The thing you shouldn't care yeah. about is how you're perceived how with you're respect perceived. to this stuff. Stop that's, caring about that. That's exactly what they prey on. You know what you really care about? What people think of you. That's right. You care about being called a grandma hater or whatever it is, right? You that's what shallow, you care about. shallow, shallow human being. I, okay, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. All right, let's do some super chats harder. then. I did, I did not want to rant today. Sorry, sorry. Um, um, okay. All right. Mickey the Fourth says, would you be interested in having a conversation on how to prevent intersectionality from infecting a country instead of what to do after it does? Uh I get sure, sure. I mean, I think it's too late for the US, but it might not be too late for other countries countries it's not um, too late for poland i was gonna say or or czechoslovakia or whatever <laughs> yeah um but yeah uh or czech republic whatever um yeah i i i don't have anything to say about that at the moment because it depends on the country and it depends on the culture of the country and what levers you've got but fundamentally um i think it requires uh i think it requires vigilance at a philosophic level in, in institutions, right? It requires a, a, some, some philosophical vigilance because when you, when you let your guard down in, in philosophy and sociology departments in universities, it may take a few generations, but eventually this metastasizes. And, um, so, but yeah, Penumbra Syndicate says BLM rallies had a 7% chance of turning into a riot last year. Police calls that use of force are well documented at 3% of all calls. Think about that. That's a good point. So uh, calling a BLM rally is twice as dangerous as calling the police. <laughs> That's an excellent point, Penumbra. 
another one from Penumbra Syndicate says, also check out HR1 and HR127. Unfortunately, these bills contain power grabs that are sinister. This is the stuff civil wars are made out of. Scary. I haven't looked at them, but I will. Um, you can look them up if you want, Carrie, while I'm going through Super Chats. G-Man says, I can't wait for routine traffic stops at state borders to ensure I'm wearing a mask in my POV. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that'll happen. Roger Haynes gives us uh, two bucks. I don't think said anything. Um, Tracer Bullet says, why the hell didn't they suggest double masking to start with? It's only common sense after all. <laughs> yeah, well, remember Fauci actually suggested no masks at the beginning and then admitted later he was lying because he needed to manipulate you, but that was okay because he was manipulating you for the public good. So that's okay. Now we excuse his lie and still ask for his advice, which now is two masks. Um, I Here's the thing. I've said this before, but I'll just say it really quickly again. I'm sure two masks are better than one. Masks are just like, <laughs> this is not a black and white issue. This is not like a works 100%, works 0%. Putting your hand in front of your mouth is a barrier. If you sneeze, some of your sneeze will end up on your hand and not on someone else. It has an effect. It's a small effect, but it's an effect. Wearing a mask has an effect. Wearing two masks has an effect. Wearing an entire uh, scuba gear has an effect. Of course they have an effect. Of course. Of course there is an incremental improvement. The question is not, is there an incremental improvement? We don't, we don't. A 100% assurance is not the goal. 100% safety is not the goal. You would never leave the house ever for any reason if 100% safety was the goal. If the standard was you, there's a small chance that you might get infected or infect someone with something, you could never leave. You would have to be bubble boy. You would have to live inside a hermetically sealed chamber for your entire life. That's not how we operate. That's not, that's irrational. That's not how society operates. So are two masks better? Sure. Three are probably better. Four are better than that. Five are even better. But, and by the way, it's probably diminishing returns at some point, but that doesn't mean it's a good idea to do. That doesn't make a good policy. Saying it's better and that's common sense doesn't make it good policy. That just, he's just stating a mathematical fact. Obviously two are better. Who cares? Are they necessary? Realistically? From a reasonable perspective, is there really a huge difference in the probability uh, of transmission with two versus one or zero? That's that's what needs to be discussed. But no one wants – they all are looking for this kind of all or nothing solution like, oh, the answer is two now? Well, if, if you're going to go down that path, the answer is infinity masks. Um, all right, one here's Liberty Solutions. Liberty Solutions says – if a state ignored the CDC mask order, there is nothing legally the federal government can do. Zero legal authority. It's our fault for carrying what they order. Yeah, that's a good point. So it, even though it's a federal offense, states do have the right to oppose. Um, they just don't. Uh, so, but thank you. That was Keith the Hat Guy. Uh, that was a great point. Uh, let's see. Uh, Neva Davis says, it's important that BLM riot damage says insured because the actual damage is more. It's a total of accepted insurance claims only. Oh, that's a good point. That's why they write insured so they can have the number be lower because as we all know, if you've ever dealt with an insurance company, uh, they don't like to pile on the reimbursements. Um, <laughs> they're a little bit stingy. Okay, another one. Uh, oh, wait. Yep, another one from uh, Neva Davis says, please remember that many insurance policies had clauses specifically excluding riot damage, not to mention all the stuff below the deductible slash not covered. Yep, absolutely. So the number is actually much higher. That's an excellent point. Thank you for uh, bringing it up. Michael, 
Henley says, make your own mask out of vinyl window screen. They don't say what the mask has to be made out of, and it confuses them. <laughs> they are they are kind of specific on airplanes, though, in my experience. They? Yeah, they made me uh, – I have a, a very breathable mask, and they made me put on one of their dumb uh, paper medical-looking – not in 95, but the dumb ones. Uh, oh, yeah, the uh, the surgical masks. Yeah, and then we played a game. It was like on the first airline I was on, I just I had it down below my nose and Delta. They came up and it's like you know you need to pull it up. So I pulled it up over my nose, but it wasn't. And then it was not over my mouth. And then <laughs> seriously, the flight attendant's like, "Okay, down a little," and I'm like, "Down." And then they're like, "No, up, up." And I, <laughs> we were doing. It felt like I was in a Marx Brothers sketch. And they really did this for a while. And then finally, I was like, "Can you?" can you pull it up for me? Can you fix it for me? And she was like, no, I'm not allowed to touch your mask. And three flight attendants came over at this point. And then they, and then, and then, I, and then one of them was like, I think your mask is broken. And I was like, is it, it must be broken. broken. And they gave me another one. <laughs> <laughs> I think your brain is broken. I just wanted to know. see how long they would do this. Uh, no down. Okay. Now up, up, down. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's do a couple more super chats here. Um, the gay rascal says, I remember going to the airport, getting a handwritten ticket and getting on a plane literally last minute. Still have one of those. That's, that's pretty good. Gay rascal. I don't remember that. I feel like I'm old, but not a handwritten ticket. Uh, cowgirl carpentry says, ding, ding, ding. We have a winner folks. Carrie said, screw you to federal government. Keep going. You're getting there. (laughs) Thank you. Cowgirl. See, we're slowly bringing Carrie, bringing Carrie to the dark side. Um, Blackbeard says my, my wife and I, I dig her. I just want to say, I like her. Yeah. She's great. Um, my wife and I had to say our two year old was 1.5 because the zoo requires two and up to wear a mask. He won't keep a mask on because well, he's two. Yeah. Because he's two. Have you seen that video of the two, is it the two year old or three year old who's being kicked? The family gets kicked off the plane because the, the toddler won't put a mask on. It's unbelievable. They get. They actually eject the fan, and and at one point the father is holding a mask over the kid's face, trying to comply. Um, it just it's so sad. <laughs> I'm it's sure so there's going to be some discussion with his therapist when the kid's older. I have this image of my father like trying to smuggle a, me. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Dad cared more about the rules. Um, Pirate Tomsky. Rachel, uh, wait, Carrie, wait. this this is good for you. Hold on. Pirate Tomsky gives you a preemptive five pounds for a preemptive F bomb. Oh, thank you. I, so. I, I didn't have to spend it yet. Thank you, sir. Uh, Rachel, this is not a super chat, but Rachel says, I'm seriously considering getting a gas mask to troll people. It's fun. Go over the top. What can they say? Just say you take it more seriously than they do. <laughs> um. Oh, Marie Buskey oh, also oh, gives wait, you wait, preemptive wait. profanity provisions. She's she also gave you profanity uh, provisions preemptively. Wait so. one second. Uh, mm-hmm. Vin Vin says this is not a super chat, but Vin says that that family was banned from that airline for life. I didn't know <laughs> that, but that makes sense. That's awful. That's awful. Um, anyway, thank you, Marie, for the thank you for the super chat. I just saw that and thought that was awful. Uh, let's see, Aaron. Aaron says, how did we get on this timeline? Did we miss a turn somewhere? Where's the off-ramp? Yes. <laughs> well, this timeline has been a long 
long time coming. Um, Kevin Collins says, COVID has turned the world into Howie Mandel. Save the viruses. Let's see. Kate. uh, Kate Pants Plus Two says, Friday, a coworker told me I'm a racist because I wanted lockdowns to end. She said, I couldn't complain because COVID affects people of color more than whites. I lost two family members to COVID, two friends to suicide, three friends OD'd and was evicted, but I'm white. I'm sorry that you're white, Kate. Um, yeah, well, I, you're racist, I guess, for wanting to end lockdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I wish I had something to say about that that was comforting, but that's the way, you know, this is how they use language. We've talked about it before. They are not using that word. They're not telling you racist because they believe you're actually racist necessarily or that they even know what that means. They're using those sounds. The sounds come out of their mouth in an attempt to get you to comply. That's all. They're just looking for they're just looking for the magic words that will make you levitate or move to the right position that they in their uh, opinion. They're not they're not having a discussion about reality with you. So uh, That's awful. you are only a racist in their surrealistic, solipsistic universe. That's awful. Um, like what, awful. what an awful person your coworker is. How terrible. I'm sorry you have to yeah. work with someone like that. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll fight you naked says, I want to set a yeo. I don't know what that is. Yeo, yeo. Oh, probably Kanye thing. It's a Kanye reference. <laughs> I want to set a yeo carry loose on Washington with a giant pew pew wearing a Viking hat. I, you just made me feel old there. I'll fight you naked. I don't. Um, I can't me, even read. Let's what just that have is. a standing rule that I read. I'll fight you naked's comments from now on. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Let's see. Hold on. We've got more. Um, Oh, sorry, I missed this one from Mickey the Fourth. Uh, Chechia has secret weapons against intersectionality, nihilism, and beer. We just sit in pubs, uh-huh. complain, and never care for anything. Totally not suicidal. <laughs> well, nihilism actually is not a weapon against intersectionality because what will happen is um, people will get disenfranchised. With like nihilism doesn't last. You can't stay in a nihilistic state forever. Society can't stay that way forever. So what will happen is someone will give them something to believe in. And if that something, if the only thing available, if the only alternative to nihilism is intersectionality, guess who will win? Um, uh, and M- then finally, M. Tax Do you want to do that one? M. Tax says, with everything else, what is the effect on the immune system of so limiting exposure to the world's bacteria and viruses for over a year? It sounds bad. Yes, this yeah. is another one of those questions that we're not really allowed to talk about. And anytime you even allude to or 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 bring up any of the unanswered questions we have about the uh, the way that we've reacted to the virus, the way that we've allowed the government to respond to the virus. Anytime you bring up any of these questions, you get told that you don't care about people. It's a very effective way of, of shutting down any discussion. Uh, Azur, yeah. thank you, Azur, says Carter poking that carry bear with COVID tisk tisk. Okay, thank you. And then Kate Pants, plus two, great name, says the best part, oh, about your coworker, says the best part is she's a social worker too. Good stuff. Yeah, not surprised. (laughs) Not surprised. Of course she's a social worker. Do you know, um, can I tell you a quick anecdote, just really quick, because I think this says a lot. 
uh, I have a friend staying with me now and, and I, we were another friend and we were walking around the neighborhood the other night and I was just pointing out some places and there's a house near me where in the 1960s, the kid there, the son killed, murdered his whole family. He took a rifle and killed his father, his mother and his sister. He was 16, I think. He said he first he tried to first he tried to um, blame it on someone else. He ran out to the street and stopped a car and told them that an intruder had come in and done it. He then he ended up confessing that later that night um, and showed them where he had hidden the gun in the crawl space in the attic and told them that he killed his family because his dad wasn't letting him go to the anti-war protests in Austin that he wanted to go to and. <laughs> Yes, and I'm peaceful, and he wouldn't let me be peaceful. Yes, he wouldn't let me be peaceful. He he said his dad called him a hippie and, and made him cut his hair, and he said he killed his sister because uh, she had a dumb accent. She talked with a dumb accent. She sounded dumb, and he killed his mother because she chewed her food too loudly, and it used to drive him crazy. Okay, mm. so clearly, so a sane guy, right? Clearly, this guy has some problems, right? Well, funny you mentioned sane because sanity, as defined by the law, is knowing that what you've done is wrong. And he knew what he did was wrong. That's why he hit the rifle and tried to blame it on someone else. He was sane enough to know that he was committing murder. He's murdering his whole family. Anyway, he got off on an insanity defense. He served a few years in a mental hospital, and then they determined him to be now mentally fit. So he got out. He inherited his family's house and all of their wealth, the family that he had murdered. Um, then he changed his name, went to college, got a degree, and has been teaching psychology at a university in Illinois for 40 years, uh, 40, 45 years, and uh, under a different name. And he it just a few years ago, it came out, this story that, you know, this professor actually, this psychology professor actually murdered his whole family when he was young. And, and you know, what the school did and his students all came out to defend him and talked about what a great professor he is. Again, I'm not saying you can't turn your life around. I'm just saying how interesting that someone with such deep psychological problems murders his whole family, goes on to do what? Teach psychology. It, it, you will find this person who's a social worker. Do they have so they do they have problems when it comes to relating to people. Do they have social problems? How could they that be? They're a social worker. Well, you know, I know someone who is. I, I, there is a bully in my life who is an expert in bullying. <laughs> of course, you are. Right. You know what I mean? Like physician heal thyself. Sometimes people go in. Why do child predators go it, so often? go into fields where they're interacting with children like daycare or child psychology or medical field or, you know, because they are child predators. Like sometimes people become experts in the very thing. Why are so many psychiatrists a little off? (laughs) Not all, not all. I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm on a, I'm on a, yeah, no, I mean, I like, (laughs) The idea of someone's profession being a indicator or a contraindicator of anything is kind of silly, right? Like, yes, if, if, like you can be a psychopath and be anything. So, yes. <laughs> um, yes. And if you're like potentially self-aware, like this guy, he was probably became very interested in psychology when he learned that it could save him from going to 
jail and get him into a mental institution instead for killing his family and then getting him out, like suddenly psychology becomes a very fascinating subject. So like, yeah. okay. Like yeah. he's got some real, real world uh, reason to care about psychology. Yeah. A real so. reason to care. I just thought, yeah. thanks for letting me share that. And it's such a crazy story, but uh, I was thinking, yeah, this is not surprising to me at all that, that he's a psychology professor. Right. At all. Yeah, no, it's not surprising to me either. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> sticking up for Chechia, uh, Chechen oh. <laughs> nihilism. Uh, Mickey the Fourth says, you do not understand perpetual nihilism of Czechs. Well, uh, mea culpa. Uh, I probably do not understand that. I'm just speaking generally as humans. It is, uh, it's difficult to maintain that in a culture for very long. Um, Azor was asking the question that was in my head before you revealed this person was a uh, psychology professor, oh. which is, was it Jack Dorsey? <laughs> no, but I was thinking the same thing. So thank you, Azor, for voicing that. <laughs> uh, Thomas St. Thomas says, Carrie, uh, anesthesiologists have really high OD and addiction rates. That's interesting. Yes. That's interesting. Exactly. Why? Mm. Oh, and finally, I'll Fight You Naked is giving me, oops, is giving me a little bit of a, a lesson. You should read it, though, because you're going to read all the I'll Fight You Naked super chats now. Oh, he says, yayo is a is slang for Coke. I had to rewrite that a lot. Like Coca-Cola? I'm just kidding. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> I never, yeah. I guess I am not, uh, I'm not I'm up not, on my drug I'm not hip on what language. the kids say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, speaking about Jack Dorsey, can we talk about Twitter for just a sec? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we can start with, you saw the Gateway Pundit was suspended from Twitter? No, I didn't. Although at least they had, they had the, the, you know, courtesy of telling Gateway Pundit why. They were uh, I didn't see so, this, so can you fill me in? Yeah, so they violated Twitter's civic integrity rule, which I didn't know existed, but it's new, and we're going to look at it. So uh, he tweeted, they stole an election. Now they want to silence everyone who questions the fraud, and that that counts as violation of their rule. Now, Nancy Pelosi was allowed to say this almost exactly same thing uh, back after Trump's election. Um, but let's take a look. Oh, also, they got in trouble. This is the other thing they got in trouble for. Um, this, they tweeted out this article. Five days after Biden inauguration, judge rules late changes to VA election law that allowed late mail-in ballots without postmark to be counted is illegal. So reporting on a story that the, a judge ruled, this also got them in trouble with Twitter. You've determined you're, it's violated the Twitter rules. We've temporarily limited some of your account features. So I, it got me wondering, what is this new? I hadn't heard of the new civic integrity policy. I guess I missed this. Have you seen this? No. All right. Well, <laughs> here we go. Um, 
any attempts to undermine the integrity of our service. So by the way, this is an example of just gobbledygook words that don't actually mean anything. I'm not, I'm not sure who the hell wrote this. The public conversation is occur occurring on Twitter is never more important than during elections and other civic events, okay? Any attempts to undermine the integrity of our service is antithetical to the fundamental rights and undermine to our fundamental rights and undermines the core tenets of freedom of expression. I don't know what they're talking about. An attempt to undermine the integrity of Twitter is antithetical to our fundamental right. How do you undermine the integrity of Twitter? Talking bad about Twitter? It's just a poorly worded sentence. Um, it's antithetical to our fundamental rights and what? undermines the core tenets of freedom of expression. It okay, doesn't this make is, any sense. I know. It's just a weird statement. So, okay. I. By the way, this person probably makes – the person in charge of this probably makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. It's ridiculous. Okay. So – Let's just look at some stuff. There's a bunch of stuff you can read it on. I don't want to read the whole policy. Some of it's obvious suppression and intimidation. You can't say misleading information about the polling stuff, which is what we looked at last week with respect to uh, Ricky Vaughn and uh, also um, uh, Christina Wong, both doing that kind of stuff. So they're now saying that's that's doesn't that's illegal. You can't or not illegal. It's against the rules. But we will label. This is the part that really gets me here. We will label or remove false or misleading information intended to undermine public confidence in an election or other civic process. This includes but is not limited to disputed claims that could undermine faith in the process itself, such as unverified information about election rigging, ballot tampering, vote tallying, or certification of election results. This means if you have a video saying, I think this might be evidence of something. Well, it's not ver. I don't know what unverified means. By whom? The cathedral hasn't verified it? You can't share it. Disputed claims, not false claims. Disputed claims. Claims that are disputed that might negatively reflect on the process. Misleading claims that could lead to interference with the implementation of the results of the process. This is the reason I want to bring this up. This sounds like a small, it may sound like a small thing, but this reminded me of, and it's the reason I have this written on the sign behind me. Um, it reminded me of the, the Les Majest thing. I, Majest, I don't know, Majeste, may, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce it in French. Majeste, probably Les Majeste. Um, this was, I think, I mean, this dates back to like old Roman, ancient Rome, but this meant it, it's this idea that speaking against the king, harming the king is a, is a crime and like, and includes like speaking against the king. You can't speak against the king. And you, you know, what's really bothering me about this Twitter, not, I mean, not that I expect much from Twitter, but what's really bothering me about this is the point of freedom of speech is not for your unpopular opinion about Lady Gaga to be allowed. No one cares. It's not that you get to argue for pineapples on pizza. No one cares. That's not what freedom of speech is about. Freedom of speech, one of the most important things, one of the most important reasons you have freedom of speech in a country like the United States is so that you can question the behavior of the bureaucrats and the politicians 
that run the country. It's so that you can question the integrity of the civic process. That is the purpose of freedom of speech. Sorry, I'm yelling. I'll move my microphone. That's the purpose. It's to question the integrity of the civic process. That's why you have freedom of speech. You need to be able to question what the government is doing, whether what they're saying is true, whether the election was valid or whether there was shenanigans going on. You need to be able to have an open discussion. That's the fucking purpose, thank you, Marie, of freedom of speech. That's why it's there. It's one of the purposes. It's one of the main purposes. It's questioning the government. Twitter is trying to implement les majestés in, mm-hmm. for, in their form of their rules. You must not question the process. That is verboten. There is nothing scarier and nothing more insanely religious than that kind of a law or that kind of a rule. Any questioning of the process is banned. That's dangerous. That is, that's antithetical to everything that Jack Dorsey claimed he stood for. If you care about justice, if you care about free expression, this is exactly what you need to be able to freely express. Concern about the process. And they've, and they've gone because they couldn't, under their old rules, justify banning people. They added it to their rules. Yeah. And they're not going to apply it uh, retroactively to people that they agree with. No. They're not going to apply it to Rachel Maddow or anyone who talked about this whole Russia collusion nonsense. They're not going to apply it. They're not going to apply it to my old client, Christina Wong. But they are. They no. will apply it to people like Ricky Vaughn. They're going to arbitrarily choose who they apply this to and who they don't. You of can't course. question the process, except for the whole past four years, you could, but now you can't. <laughs> right. And the past four years were about questioning the process completely. Yeah. That's all it was about. Now, now that they've won, you can't question the process. I mean, obviously, it's about power, and we've talked about that. But um, I just, I think people don't realize. They, they, they don't realize the importance of they, they view they view upholding the civil process and putting it on a pedestal. They, they view that as somehow politically neutral. It's not politically neutral to say you can't question the integrity of elections. That's not a politically neutral thing to do. That's a that is a an establishment. That's a support of the political establishment position, which is inherently political. That's a to use the word outside of the normal context. That's an inherently conservative position. It's it's about conserving and consolidating current power, not being able to question how that power was obtained. It's it's not a politically neutral thing to say. And they they write this. And Jack Dorsey, I guarantee, if someone asks him about this, and maybe they have in interviews, he will stand up and he will say. Well, you know, this is politically neutral. We're just a civil process. It's not politically neutral. This is not a politically neutral statement. Not allowing questioning of the process is not politically neutral. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Somebody somebody messaged me. I was trying to write back to some people today, and somebody was asking me. They were like, do you think that the media, the media believes all the lies and all the stuff that they – the propaganda – because this person was saying they they think they do that they don't they don't think they're uh, knowingly misleading the public, 
And I actually agree with that. I think a lot of the people in the media who push propaganda believe their own bullcrap. Oh, and yeah, because they're not thinkers. They're just they're not thinkers. Yeah, mouthpieces. So yeah. what what about people like Jack Dorsey? What's the psychology behind someone like but that? Behind he, Jack? Yeah, is it just like I mean, you said the other day? He just wants to be able to go to the right cocktail parties. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know Jack personally. I know. Ahead, I'm sorry. just asking. I mean, he seems yeah. like an reason. I mean, an intelligent person, and and I know it's not about IQ and all that, but how can you well, I, live with yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, look, I mean, I've been in Silicon Valley for 20 years. Jack's attitude is not abnormal, right? Um, there are a lot of, um, it's it's part of this whole, I mean, you make fun of it. Shows like HBO make fun of this, right? This whole, like, I'm going to change the world with my app that helps dogs find which kind of cheese they like or like stupid, stupid stuff that like, I'm changing the world, right? This is, that that attitude is part of Silicon Valley generally, um, and it's encouraged in founders. Um, and what has happened is it used to be, I would say, you know, 20 years ago, um, and, 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 and longer, I would say even longer than 20 years ago, you know, if you were a founder, the pitch you had to make to investors was about how you were going to make money. Right. Um, and they were, you know, trying to evaluate whether you had a good business plan and you had to and you had to demonstrate some sort of success in in creating decent unit economics. I'm not saying that's gone away completely, but a large component of pitching early stage companies and pitching investors generally and and frankly a lot of early stage investing in Silicon Valley is uh, is contingent upon how much hype you build and that hype is part of part, part of that hype is virtue signaling. Um and it, I would use that word even prior to what it means now, just signaling that you have some lofty visionary intention about changing the world to get investors, quote, excited about about doing your thing. And so I I think Jack probably doesn't I I, I almost believe him when he when he says things like, well, I don't understand what critical race theory is like he may not, I mean, he must now, but when, when he said that on Joe Rogan a couple of years ago, he, he may not have. Um, it's not that they're out studying, like they're, they're not out studying social justice ideology. They're not out like actively trying to immerse themselves in these ideas and they've picked them rationally. They are trying to build a company. They're trying to be cool and get points from people because yeah. they, want, they want to be perceived as fun and exciting and attracting the best talent and fitting in socially in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, and so it is, I mean, I'm, I was flippant when I said it's about attending cocktail parties, but largely it is, it's, it's maybe it's not cocktail parties. Maybe it's getting invited to the right tent at Burning Man, but it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's being around there. He's surrounded by a culture of people who have bought into this ideology, mostly without thinking about it. Um, there's a lot of guilt about the money that they've amassed. And so there's a lot of self-hatred regarding how, you know, we have all this money, we have to do something good. We're going to listen to whatever the prevailing uh, mainstream messages about what good is. And that right now is social justice activism. And so that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he probably believes 
that he that he that he believes and supports he believes in and supports free speech. I think he's probably that. I don't think he understands what that means. Yeah, but I think he's probably like a person who's that disconnected from reality. I don't think he's maliciously sitting back there and saying, "I'm going to crap all over free speech and lie right. and say the opposite." I think he believes his own. I think he's drinking his Kool Aid. Well, to a large extent, people like him. I mean, look what happened to Tony Shea, who was like a, you know, fell apart and 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 died because of he did the death spiral he went into. But you know, people were saying at the end he had no one around him that would uh, push back on anything. Mm-hmm. Everyone was a yes man, and uh, I don't. It's probably not that bad for people like Dorsey, but it's close, right? Um, if you've got that kind of tech celebrity. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people are going to push back on you and say like this thing you're doing is retarded. Stop. Yeah. Um, and if they do, you really if you've got a fragile ego, and I think he has an extremely fragile ego. Uh, if you've got a fragile ego, you'll get rid of him. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want that around you, right? That was my, that was my experience in entertainment. So, some people, uh, upon upon achieving a degree of success or fame. Uh, chose to get rid of the people in their life who told them the truth that they had the people yeah. in their life that had known them before the fame, uh, before the money or whatever. And they chose mm-hmm. to surround themselves with the vapid butt kissers. <laughs> Let's put it that yeah. way. I think you have to be really yeah. grounded before that happens to you to have any chance of surviving it. Like probably. Yeah. That's why childhood fame is, is disastrous for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, and someone I saw someone said, you know, you're forgetting the Chinese people on the board and whatever from the CCP or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I get Twitter's got investment from a bunch of different places, but uh, I, having been on boards, um, I don't, you know, I've never been on the board of a publicly traded company like Twitter, but I, it's not the smoky room of conspiracy theory that you think it is. It's not. That's not. It's not like. It's not like the the CCP guy is like you gotta you gotta say this, Jack, because I think it's gonna undermine the culture and blah, blah, blah. like that's not what happens. No. Um, it doesn't work like that. Um, so, I, you know, is there influence there? Yeah, probably some, but this is it's a nebulous kind of cultural momentum that's pushing him forward. It's not some nefarious evildoers on the board. The board, even if they're from China, mostly just want to make money. It's, it's also people have a I think I think we have a, an inability sometimes to think of ideology as a living thing or as, you know, what, once forces are moving in a certain direction and we have trouble. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, tiger. <coughs> Tell the mailman hello. Uh, you're reminding me of Richard Dawkins. I mean, the, the term, the, the, I think it was Richard Dawkins who actually coined the term meme. It doesn't mean, uh, impact font overlaying a picture on Twitter. Uh, originally, um, it was an idea. Um, and it was an, the, the word meme meant like an idea that propagate, propagated, uh, in manners similar to how genes propagate. Um, so that's what, what you're talking about reminds me of, of that concept of a meme, right? How it evolves and and propagate through society over time. Yeah. <laughs> How it <laughs> propagates. Yeah. Well also just that once forces are moving in a certain direction, 
um, sometimes we get waylaid with trying to think about, like, well, who's the bad guy here? Who's pulling the strings? There's not always a bad guy. There's not Jack Dorsey isn't the bad guy pulling the strings. Jack Dorsey is right. caught up in the same current. It's it, maybe think of it like a river, like a current of water. This body of water is moving in this direction, moving Ooh. towards censorship, moving to as I censor right. my dog, moving towards censorship and and moving towards uh, violence and and uh, uh, repression of people and and he's just a powerful figure who's also caught up in it. Like in some ways, he, I don't, he has a lot of power, but he's weak enough to get caught up in the culture and not withstand it because he doesn't know what to do about it. So he right. just is going to go along. And there are yeah. always figures that throughout history that we can look at and, and we we want to put the blame just on that one person. So but but if you think about it, actually, I think maybe, you know, communism didn't serve Stalin. Stalin served communism. You know, you can think of it that way. He's a powerful figure who had a lot to do with the these historical events. But there there were a lot of people who did. They're all caught up in the current and there are going to be powerful figures who emerge. And then when we look back on this period in history, like 100, 200 years from now, there will probably be powerful figures that they try and say, well, this person pushed Marxism, Ibram Mexicandi or, you know, whoever. But. But there are lots of those figures and none of the social justice, the social justice isn't um, serving those figures. Those figures are serving social, social justice. Yeah. And I want to I want to draw a distinction here because um, there's a difference between descriptively analyzing causes culturally and assigning moral responsibility. Jack is morally responsible for everything that happens at Twitter because it's his company and it is his job. So. I'm not saying that we, we don't hold him morally accountable. He is morally accountable by virtue of his position there. What I'm saying is that because he's abdicated his responsibility for being a moral compass or he's outsourced his own judgment to some greater cultural, uh, you know, the, the zeitgeist of San Francisco's culture, uh, well, we have to look for the causes. What is causing him? Okay, he's weak. What's what? What are the greater causes? And looking at the causes doesn't mean he doesn't get blame for allowing them to manifest through him. But it's helpful to know the causes because you can't stop by changing Jack's mind because Jack doesn't have a mind to change on these topics. He hasn't. He does not have a strong moral conviction on these topics. He's busy, you know. He's running Square. Is he still running Square? I think he's running Square and Twitter. He's busy doing it. He's like a tech guy. He's not, he has outsourced moral authority to people around him. And he's just parroting what they say and doing what they tell him is the right thing. In order to change someone like Jack Dorsey, you don't, it's not about changing his mind. You just have to change the culture because he's just going to go along with wherever the river is flowing. That, That current we talk about, that tide. He's not a strong person. He's just going to go along with whatever's popular. And if we want right. to change, there are these powerful people who are kind of, um, who are making the decisions they're making because they're. this is currently, unfortunately, culturally dominant and popular. We have to change that. We have to make being woke laughable and shameful, which it is. It is shameful. Right. It is embarrassing. View it, and, yeah, and view it as a religion. That. Yeah. Right? Like if, if, if Jack Dorsey... Magic. If magically Twitter had sprung up in 
Afghanistan, <laughs> and Jack Dorsey was uh, a devout Muslim, and he was surrounded by other devout Muslims. Well, then Twitter's rules will be about what you would expect from from Muslim rules. Like he's just a fa- he's not he hasn't carved out his own ideology. He's no. just. He's just doing his thing. You will know if he's the, – the way you can tell if someone's carved out their own, own ideology is everyone around them hates their guts, right? Like, like the, around them. Most people – no, like, okay, uh, how do people feel about the Gab CEO? All right, well, that's because oh, he's I, not in line. Like, oh, right, he's a wrong thinker. You mean what culture thinks of them currently? That's what I mean. Right. Yeah, not all the people that he's hired. I just mean, no. like, culture around him. How do they view him? Um so let's do some let's do some super chats while we're here. <laughs> I was just gonna say everyone around you loves and respects you, Carter. But well, that's because I'm uh, a horrible person, but, I guess. But culture hates you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let me reload some super chats here because I don't even remember what the last one we did was. I need to. Oh, okay. but I don't know if he's still here. But Comics Division was in our chat. Hello, Comics. Oh, Division. cool. And I was just going to plug yeah. his show again. He's got a whole series that he's doing on our channel on Unsafe Space. It's about the Great Reset. If you guys haven't seen it, there's a, a Carter's already put up, or you guys have put up three videos already, right? Uh, it's it's all Ian. Uh, yeah, Ian has Ian's put, up put up three videos already. Three videos. Yeah. yeah. Don't give me credit. I didn't okay. do anything. Um. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm now I understand. I'm going to reread this one now that I know it yayoed. So what I'll fight you naked was saying is that he wanted to set a coked up carry loose on Washington with a giant pew pew, which we know what that means. Wearing a Viking hat. Okay, I got it. Now I understand. Um, M. Tax Shark says with everything else, what's the effect of the immune system uh, of so limiting exposure to the world's bacteria? We did. Oh, I don't remember that one. Sorry. Uh but it's a good question. Social worker, we did that one. You do not understand the perpetual nihilism checks. We did that one. Jack Dorsey, we did that one. Okay. Um, this is another one from Mickey the Fourth saying, precisely, you cannot maintain a culture like that. That's why we don't have one at this point, aside from complaining over beer and pubs. Okay, so talking more about nihilism. Roger Haynes says, Carter, when you see an empty super chat, it means I sent a super sticker. I'm sorry. I know it means that, but I haven't, I'm literally using a piece of, like a janky piece of code that I wrote to keep track of all the super chats so they don't go away and it doesn't handle stickers yet. I'll fix it this week, possibly. Um, Hermit Thrush says, stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice. Look up the full quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's worth seeing in its entirety. I had not heard that quote. Do you know that quote? I like it. Um, Let's see if there's more. I got to do a quick... Refresh. I think we might be, I think we might be through with the super chats, but let's see. Nope, we are not. Uh, Kelly says yes. It may not be evil presented on a board, but Dorsey is definitely responsible for his bad. Dare I say, evil decisions? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, it's my point was it's just important to understand. Um, not to excuse the moral behavior, but if you want to understand what's going on, uh, moral or immoral behavior, um, it's it's important to kind of look beyond the person, especially if it's someone like that who probably, by the way, I don't know for certain, maybe he is a 
student of Robin D'Angelo and reads everything and is very well versed in it. But uh, I have reason to believe he is absolutely not and just kind of going along. So, all right, I'm going to switch over to our chat over here. Okay. Uh, Azor says, get Adam friended PSA Sitch and Aiden Paladin on. I don't even know who those people are, but I will look into who they are now. Thank you, Azor. Um, I will put that on screen. All right, Carrie. What else you got? I only got one more. I mean, I, there's a couple other things we could talk about, but I don't really feel the need to. I do want to end on an interesting note, I guess. But um, what else do you want to talk about? You got anything else? Uh, do your thing, and then I'm going to read a poem, and then we're leaving. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> do your item. What's your item? <laughs> I'm My sorry. item is that uh, no, there's there's rumor going around about the Oscars, and um, it's not a bad rumor. Oh, so okay. I want to I want to share it. So Mike Cernovich has a documentary out called uh, "Plot Against the President," and the Oscars released. Now these are not nominations, but they're a list of eligible films for consideration. So if you click on the complete Wait list. Wait a minute. Of, uh, what do you mean Cernovich has? That's not his film. A Plot Against the President? I think it is. No. I mean, is he a producer or something? Did, I thought so. Oh, I didn't Am I know wrong that. about that? If I'm wrong, here, I'll look it up before we continue. Because maybe Cause, I, I mean, um, I'm surprised even if it's not Cernovich. But... Da, 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 plot Against the President. I thought he, I thought he did it. I thought he helped no. produce it, but maybe not. No, it's oh yeah, starring Mike. He's in it, but he did not produce it. You're right. Produced by John Eisman. Okay, so I apologize. It wasn't Cernovich. And you um, should, and we should actually mention the um, director Amanda Millis. Amanda Millis, and um, it's based on the book by Lee Smith. So I apologize for that. Yes, I, for some go. reason, I guess I got it confused with other Cernovich okay. um, stuff. Cool. Anyway. Um, He's in it, but he didn't do anything else other than be in it. So, uh, anyway, it's on the list of eligible documentaries, um, which, you know, is will it go anywhere? No. Um, but there it is on the list. Should it go I'm somewhere? Surprised. Yes. This is one of the best documentaries yeah. I've seen in years. That's Along with, I, th I would say my top three favorite documentaries, and I've watched a lot the past two two years um my top three would be in no particular order the plot against the president cernovich's documentary hoaxed about the Hoax media is excellent yeah and um what's his name larry elder's uh uncle tom those three are the probably the best i've I didn't seen see that one i didn't see that one in years uncle tom let me look in this list just really quickly it's on the list uncle tom's on the list for nice. eligibility so it's a great film. okay i should watch that one also uh oh no something else but it wasn't what i thought it was so yeah um i don't know if that's good news but it's like not bad news there's part of the world that still thinks it's okay to have those movies on the eligibility list um that's it's my mod that's as that's as positive as i can get how's that all right what's your one thing you want to end on carrie what's your so a new friend on social media sent me this poem that he wrote actually there's something in the ether because 
I've, like I said, I've been trying to slowly work my way through messages and three different people sent me poems this week that they had written. And thank mm. you. I like, I like reading poetry. So, uh, oh, wait, wait, before you read your poetry, cause I don't want to interrupt yeah. it. One more super chat. Hermit thrush says the Bonhoeffer quote nails people like Dorsey. And then he gives a, uh, he gives a link, which I guess we could, I can just look and see if it's short. I just didn't want to interrupt. I don't want to do super chats after your poetry. I want to do them. I want your poetry to be the end. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing, right? You're okay. You're asking people not to super chat us. That's okay. No, no. Okay, you can super chat us if you really want to. Okay, here's the quote. <laughs> Stupidity. I don't know if you guys can fit it all. There we go. Fit it all on the screen. Stupidity is more a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice. One may protest against evil. It can be exposed and, if need be, prevented by use of force. Evil always carries within itself the germ of its own subversion in that it leaves behind in human beings at least a sense of unease. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. Neither protests nor the use of force accomplish anything. Reasons fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradict one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. If such moments, In such moments, the stupid person becomes even becomes critical. And when facts are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential, as incidental. In all this, the stupid person, in contrast to the malicious one, is utterly self-satisfied and being easily irritated becomes dangerous by going on the attack. For that reason, greater caution is called when dealing with a stupid person than with a malicious one. Never again will we try to persuade the stupid person with reasons for it is senseless and dangerous. I would agree about that if we don't, if stupid here doesn't necessarily mean uh, IQ. I think it's, um, I would say making stupid decisions, emotionally driven, stupid decisions, yes. but, uh, but I agree. yeah. Okay. Stupid. Gary, Lack I am all ears. We will, we will sit back. Sorry, go ahead. Stupidity really? meaning. <laughs> this is what I have to deal with. Look. Stupidity meaning lack of common sense. That's how I would apply it. And some very intelligent people are stupid. Okay. Uh, this is by a guy named Ryan Melchiano. Melchiano? Okay. Oh, he's he a new member. He's a new member of ours. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You may demand a perfect future. I know man is flawed. You may point to the downtrodden. I see your envy for the rich. You may speak to your virtue. I know it is unearned. You may take down my statues. I will remember who we are. You may obscure our language. I will speak with clarity. You may paint the world in victimhood. I will still see only individuals. You may take away your friendship, but my conscience is my companion. You may take away my church. God lives within me. You may persecute the strong. I will not hide. You may imprison minds of others. I will set them free. You may invade my workplace with lies. I will tell the truth. You may deny me opportunity. I will still have my pride. You may pay me with worthless money. I will pretend to work. You may take away my gun. You must imprison me first. You may strike out my teeth. I will still express myself. You may indoctrinate my children. You must take them from me first. You may break my body. You cannot break my soul. You may pave a path of good intentions. My loss is your road to hell. I thought that nice. was a very good poem. Thank it you, is Ryan. Good. I, and I, I love the sentiment. And um, yeah. Thank you for sharing. All right. Well, I we should end, this, right? We don't. This is my poem. Huh? Roses, roses are red. 
Violets are blue. What? <laughs> Sorry. <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. Poems don't have to rhyme. That's it. Mm-hmm. You didn't like it? Okay. <laughs> it, was, it, I, I, it was great, Gary. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> it was the best ever. I, I can't believe <laughs> I didn't awesome. laugh. <laughs> Ryan's poem was better, I admit. Ryan, thanks, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> On that note, thank you everyone for watching. Uh, we're going to have, we have a show out with what's happening on Wednesday at 11, I think. And um, probably other stuff going on. I don't even remember. Book club uh, coming up. Dot criminal. Book club. Pretty short read. Hope you join us. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Bye, Carter. Bye. (laughs) All right. Here we go with the end credits, which this time will have sound. I mostly promise they will have sound this time. (laughs) We'll, We'll hope. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please do not take any investment advice from these individuals. Here's a fun fact from the Nobel Prize Committee. Mass graves are actually quite peaceful. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that wearing N plus one masks is safer than wearing N masks? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.